Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. So just another uh, brief uh, intro of Karen and I that we have, uh, as of the 24th of this month, we'll be married 52 years. We have two uh, adult sons who God has blessed us uh, that we all live in the same area. We're from Indiana. We all live in the same area now uh, within two miles of each other. We have nine grandchildren. Uh, The two youngest live near us. The others are off to college and this and that, you know, just uh, uh, living their life. Thank goodness they're all Christians, and we're so thankful for that. Amen. And so, uh, you know, that's just a a little bit about us. We pastored 22 years in Indiana. Uh, Actually had a first trade for 20-some years. I was a uh, printing pressman, uh, ran big presses about as long as this uh, room we're in here. And then, uh, in fact, I'll just throw this in. If you bought a record album in the 1980s, I probably printed it, because that's what I did, printed record album covers. So uh, I won't talk about the different artists that I had to print, but, uh, and so uh, at the age of 41, I kept feeling a tug to uh, go to Bible school and ended up going where Pastor uh, Chris went and uh, Pastor uh, Mike and Donna, and I want to thank them for trusting me with the pulpit this morning and thank uh, Pastor Chris for his uh, his kindness in taking care of us this last couple of days. Uh, so we went to Bible school and uh, had no clue. My argument, uh, maybe this will help somebody not to go to Bible school, but if you're wondering about, is the Lord leading you to step out? Um, so I was 41 and I kept feeling a tug about going to Bible school. Had the best job I ever had, six weeks paid vacation, insurance, uh, everything I wanted. and. Uh, so we uh, left it all behind, went to Bible school. My argument was, God, when I get out, I'm going to be 43. Who is going to hire a rookie 43-year-old <laughs> pastor? And uh, a month or so before I graduated, uh, the pastor of uh, the church I attended had it in his heart to go to Germany to start a Bible school. And he said, uh, would you like to come back and pastor the church, Faith Outreach? And so, yeah, <laughs> looks like God had it prepared. And so if you know it's God moving on your heart just know that he's got something prepared ahead of time if you'll just step out on faith amen praise God so that's a little bit about us Um, again I said we were pastoring in Indiana for 22 years and one thing about Indiana I don't know if any of you have ever been up there it's just a wonderful midwestern area and one of the things that's uh, very big up there especially in the fall are various fairs and festivals and uh, in fact the summer of uh, 68 was our first date. It was actually the summer. It was at a county fair. <laughs> Went to the county fair together. And so um, I'm actually leading up to something here. In the, uh, in the fall, there's a town about 20 miles south of where we pastored. And uh, we had a couple who came uh, to church uh, from there. And this small town, about 15,000, had the second largest Labor Day parade in the state of Indiana, second only to Indianapolis. And so it was a big deal. And he uh, worked with a local car dealer and had a pickup truck put in his front yard because it was right on the 
main parade route, filled it with ice, and then filled it to the full with different kinds of whatever you call it in Florida, pop or soda. Filled it with all of those uh, different varieties. And so, um, you know, it was a hot day and people would come by and take it. And he, he told me the story of a little boy about 10 years old who would, uh, he was walking by and he kind of slowed down and looked because all over the truck it said free, free, free. And the little boy walked on and a couple of minutes later he came back by walking a little slower and kind of looked at the truck and looked at my uh, congregation member Larry and he walked on and finally he came back a third time, kind of stopped, looked at the signs, looked at him and Larry said, what's the sign say? The little boy said, free. And he said, what are you waiting for? Big smile lit up his face. He went up to the truck, grabbed a cold uh, can of Coke, came back two or three times after that because he realized that even though it looked too good to be true, it was true and it was free and it was there for the taking. And sometimes I wonder if we don't look at the promises of God the same way. We look in it, we see things like healing or blessings or my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And yet we step back sometimes and we go, it looks too good to be true. Can it be true? That's why it's important to have a pastor who weekly will remind you all the promises in God are yes and amen. And so do not back away. And that's kind of the, the direction I'm heading this morning with what God has put on my heart. In Isaiah 55, now, I'm used to having two hands free, so, you know, I've learned as, as I get older that uh, my eyesight's not bad, my arms just get shorter, so, uh, <laughs> and I also unashamedly use notes because I've also learned that uh, as I get older, two things happen. One, you begin to forget things, and uh, I can't remember the second thing, but uh, <laughs> Isaiah 55, this is from the New Living Translation. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. The Amplified, the classic version, I like to say this. You know there's an Amplified and an Amplified classic? Uh, that means it's older, like I'm classic Gwen Shingleton. <laughs> it says in the Amplified classic, simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. How often do we think we have to do something to earn it from God rather than just saying, Lord, you said it, I believe it, and that settles it and receive the blessing God has for you. He goes on to say, come take your choice of wine or milk, it's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Now you know this is symbolic here. So many people spend their life looking for satisfaction in things other than God and other than the word of God and they come up empty every time. And so Isaiah is imploring them, why are you spending your money or your life on food or on things that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. And you know that this is again symbolic saying, why not come to the Father through Jesus Christ and receive everything that God has for you? You know, I know from the songs we sang this morning, you all understand what I'm talking about here. The promises of God are ours. And so we need to be careful not to be like the little boy with the pickup truck. You know, I'm just reminded of uh, a lady when we were doing a membership class once, and she talked about how 
Uh, she had grown up believing that, you know, God was out to get you and uh, he was going to, you know, knock you down at every turn. And she began to listen to some teaching like you're used to getting. And she would listen to it. Now, this will date me on cassette tape, listening to that cassette tape. And when it would talk about the teacher would talk about the blessings of God, she said, I jump up, hit the stop button and say, that can't be true. That can't be true because she'd always been taught that God was against her and not for her. And we find out that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on to say that he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him, Jesus, the world might be saved. God is for us and not against us. So we see in the word of God, the Bible, that Jesus has provided freely everything for us to enjoy. And yet we need to be careful to not approach the Bible with hesitancy as though it's too good to be true or too often we're like this, we just don't deserve it. Well, if the Father sent Jesus the most valuable, if I can say it this way, thing in the universe, how much are we worth it? We're worth a lot to him. Amen? Amen. So here's what Jesus had to say himself describing his ministry. This is in Luke 4. It's right after He'd been baptized, went into the wilderness for 40 days, and at his weakest point physically, the devil, you know the story, came and tempted him in three ways, and it's the same way the Bible tells us that we're tempted, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And yet in all those things, he came back with what? The word. It is written. It is written. That's why it's so important to not only come and hear the word, but to make it your own. Amen? And so Jesus, it says... When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. And I like to always put in a little something here. It was Jesus' habit every Sabbath day to go to church. I'll leave that there. The, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus, the answer to all of our problems, amen. And he fulfilled that scripture. It says in the Amplified, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, the anointed one, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. Now, I'm reading this because the last part has some, something special. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered. And if this is any of you today, it's either happening now or has happened, and it still has a residual effect on you. Jesus came to set you free from this. Those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed and broken down by calamity. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors, the free favors of God profusely abound. Isn't that wonderful, that promise we have in the word? You know, there are some, even in the body of Christ, who would argue that Jesus did those things just to establish his earthly ministry. But we're going to see in the, just the next few minutes how 
Jesus, the ministry he began when he walked the earth is still operating in the earth today. Praise God. The book of Hebrews, about three or four nights ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and keep my phone nearby and I kept getting words. I knew it was in the book of Hebrews, but I had to wait till the morning to locate it. But here's what I do if the Lord gives me something in the middle of the night. I jot it down. <laughs> because when I wake up in the morning, it's always, that was good. What was that again? <laughs> and I found it, and it talks about the present day ministry of Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews. And so I think it's for today. I think he gave me those verses for today. In Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to hook that up with Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he, Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He walked the earth in the flesh, but he still lives today. And this says that he lives to intercede for us. When we come to what uh, Hebrews, it's, it's written to Jews, and it's talking about the ministry in the Old Testament of the high priest and how Jesus is fulfilling that even today. When we come to him speaking the word, because uh, this isn't up here, but 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know or are confident that he hears us, we know that we will have granted to us those things that we requested. In other words, if you ask anything according to the word of God, Jesus is there to intercede for you and to make it come to pass. So don't be like the little boy with the pickup truck and go, that sounds too good to be true. You know, Jesus gave his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. In Acts 2, I think it's around verse... Uh, I got to think about this around verse 22 it says that it was not possible for death to hold Jesus down and in Romans 8 14 it says if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us it will quicken or make alive our mortal body so the work that Jesus did is active and alive in us if we'll just believe it and speak it amen praise God and so the same Jesus who declared that he was sent to release all of us from captivity to the devil, to heal our infirmities, to deliver us from every calamity, and to allow us to walk in God's favor is doing those same things today. And so I just want to challenge me and the rest of us today. Why are we sometimes so reluctant to go to him to receive those free gifts? You know, he's made a way for us to come. I think because we're natural, the Lord knows that we're flesh and blood, we've allowed situations in the world or personal discouragements and disappointments, maybe people have let us down. We let those things kind of cloud our thinking and wonder, will Jesus be the same way? People have let me down, the world looks like it's in a mess, but as I said, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because he's the high priest of our confession or profession, we need to, I believe it's time in the body of Christ, long past time, that we begin to confess or profess what the word says about us and who we are in Christ. Amen. The devil is afraid of that. Just like Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness with the word, we do the same thing. The devil is a defeated foe, but he comes against us, clouds our thoughts, 
In fact, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, I'm getting off on bunny trails here. 2 Corinthians 10 says that we are to cast down every thought and every imagination that tries to exalt itself against our knowledge of God. You know, if you know that Jesus is your healer, your provider, etc., so many other things, when circumstances come, the devil will try to get you to think, oh yeah, what about now? Well, it's the word that you believe and that you speak that will send the enemy fleeing, amen? So know the word and be bold to speak the word, even in the most dire looking circumstances. It says, uh, Paul wrote this prayer for believers, and I'm just going to read part of it in Ephesians 1. He wrote that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The Lord wants us to know him better and better every day. You know, the word for knowledge here, the word know, and I'm no scholar, but comes from Greek word ginosko, which doesn't mean like um, you might see a, a, someone in the entertainment industry or a, a sports star. You say, oh, I know him. I know her. I know who that is. Well, you know who they are, but this is an intimate knowing. He wants us to know him intimately and to never have question that he would ever fail to take care of us or come through for us. Praise God. So the knowledge we are to have is about the character of Jesus. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, and I picture the cartoons where the light bulb goes on, I get it, I get it, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. He's called you to a higher life. John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I'm come to give you life, and that more abundantly. The Amplified says, life to the full till it overflows. And this is what the devil is trying to keep the church from knowing and understanding and walking in. But Paul prays this for us, and I'm sure your pastors pray this for you, the congregation, all the time, that you would know Jesus intimately and that you would understand that he's called you to more than just a normal life here on earth. Praise God. And so I began to think about that. I began to think about the times in the Gospels where Jesus actually went to somebody's house. What would you think if Jesus sent you a note or sent you a text, whatever, said, I want to come to your house today. I want to have lunch. I want to have dinner. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> Amen. I think after the last year, a lot of us would like to have a, a long visit from the Lord. Amen. <laughs> so I began to think even about us. What were your plans? What were your hopes? What were your dreams? You know, sometimes we think, well, all this happened, so I might as well forget it. It's not going to happen. But you've heard this, I know, many times. God doesn't have plan B. He's got plan A for your life. And the things you had in your heart, whether it was you were, you've been, have, had an illness, and you're moving toward healing, and this seemed like the world turned upside down, or you were moving into a place where your finances were getting better, and all of a sudden your finances are disrupted because of things in the world. And I think a lot of people put their dreams on the back burner, but I want you to begin to trust God, trust the Lord, begin to speak out again. You know, what he planned for me before, he still got for me in Jesus' name. Praise God. I want to encourage you today. Don't give up on your God-given dreams. Amen? In Revelation 3, we're talking about Jesus coming to our house. It says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And the Holy Spirit highlighted to me and I underlined 
open the door. Don't think it's too good to be true. Don't think, is it really free? We've shown you scripture. The blessings of God are yes and amen. They are free. We just have to open up ourselves. And I talked about the world and, and disappointments clouding our mind. We need to cast down those thoughts and imaginations and begin to know that, as God said, I'm not a man that I should lie. Praise God. So talking about coming into our house, in Hebrews 3, verse 5, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ as the son is in charge of God's entire house and we are God's house. Wow, how about that for a superintendent of your house? How about that for someone who comes and takes care of things? And I don't mean like he's, he's our servant, you understand, but he's the one who, when there are situations we don't know how to face, he is there. He's in charge of the whole situation if we'll just turn it over to him. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. So I want you to think about that. Your house is your life. And it says here that we are God's house and Jesus, the son, is in charge of that. So what's been missing, especially in this last year, what's been missing from your house? What's been missing from your life? Remember in Isaiah 55, it's still there, it's still free. And, and I want to just bring up four points in my next hour and a half. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's so many more I could do. It's like I believe John wrote in his gospel. He said, if all the things Jesus said were written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it all. But I'm just going to bring it down to uh, four points this morning, four gifts, I call it, that Jesus wants to bring to your house. In Mark uh, chapter 2, it says, Jesus went out along the seashore, and all the multitude kept gathering about him, and he kept teaching them. Talks about passing by. I'm going to condense this a little. Saw Levi, or Matthew, ask him to follow him to be his disciple. And verse 15, and as Jesus, together with his disciples, sat at the table in his, Matthew's house, many tax collectors, this is the amplified, and persons definitely stained with sin. Look who Jesus hung out with. He hung out with those who needed him. He hung out with those who, he didn't hang out with those who thought they'd already arrived. He hung out with those who needed him. They were dining with him, for there were many who walked the same road, followed with him. And the scribes belonging to the party of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with those definitely known to be especially wicked sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and notorious sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are strong and well have no need of a physician. And if you read this in context, he's saying, you all think you got it made, you got it all together. Apparently, I'm not the one you need. But these who know they have a need, who know they're walking in sin, are coming to me looking for an answer. And we are the answer to the world today, and I mean this. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We carry Jesus with us everywhere we go, at home, in the workplace, if you're out at the store, you carry Jesus with you. And all the Lord wants is a yielded vessel because we're the ones, you know, the Bible talks about the angels aren't the ones called to, to spread the gospel. We are. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Those who are strong and well have no need of a physician, but those who are weak. I came not to call the righteous ones to repentance, 
but sinners, the erring ones, and all those not free from sin. He came to Matthew's house. The first thing Jesus will bring to us is acceptance. The Bible says we are accepted in the beloved. I love Billy Graham's um, campaigns he used to do, his crusades. When he had the altar call, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Just come as you are. Jesus will accept you. And you know, he loves you enough that he won't leave you and I the way we came. He'll begin to help us. The Bible calls it the washing of water by the word and begin to cleanse us. And, and we're already um, headed for heaven, but it makes us vessels fit for the master's use that can lead other people to Jesus Christ. Amen? We are accepted in the beloved. The second thing he brings in Mark chapter 7. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciple asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding? I'm going to read another verse here in Hebrews. But we don't understand everything all the time. But when something's on our heart, something we see in the word, we can go to Jesus. He understands that we're flesh and blood, that we don't know everything. He takes great joy and pleasure in us coming to him and asking for direction and, dare I say it, correction in our life. And it says in Hebrews 4, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. I'm going to go on here in just a moment. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 2.1. It's, it's kind of a correction for me. Hebrews 2.1 says we need to, to hold on to uh, the things that we believe more firmly, lest at any time we let them slip away. How do we hold on to things? The Bible says keep them before our eyes and keep them in our heart all the time so we don't let them slip away. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. I think the time that we so often don't want to go to Jesus is when we know we've messed up. We've said something in the, in the heat of the moment. We've done something that, although nobody saw it, we knew it wasn't right. And I could give many illustrations. You understand that. But we don't go to him, but yet he wants us to come to him. Remember, he's the high priest of our confession. Come and let him know that he knows what we did, but we know, and we know it wasn't in line with the word. The reason he wants us to do that is so that we can be, again, the example to those who are lost and dying in the world. He understands our weakness. How could he do that? For he faced the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I think about when I was pastoring in Indiana. I had an office upstairs and it's a long distance from the door to my desk. And every now and then, door would open, and one of my grandkids would run in. And do you think I'd say, hey, I'm too busy for this. I got business to do for the church. I'm studying the word of God. Hey, it was, close the book. Come on up. Sit on Papa's lap. Amen. And this is how God is. He's not looking to cast us down or to keep us under his thumb. He understands our weaknesses, but he wants you to know you're accepted in him. We sang about some of this, the third thing I want to talk about here. In Matthew 8, when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, 
the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. You know, when Jesus begins to work, and when Jesus begins to work through you, people are going to come to you and say, you've got something. What's the answer? And it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. They came to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, he took our sicknesses and healed our diseases. If you'll open up your house, your life to Jesus, and trust him to take care of you, the third thing he'll bring is healing. Healing is working in Pastor Mike and Donna right now. It may not be as quick as they would want or you as the congregation would want, but I assure you that the power of God is working in them. Amen. Not only bringing healing, but restoration. I like it in, in the book of Daniel where the three Hebrew children came out of the fiery furnace. It said there was not even the smell of smoke on them. And I always take that to mean whatever God brings you through, there's not going to be anything dragging. There's not going to be anything holding you back, nagging at you the rest of your life. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. And he brings one more thing to our house. Now I'm not going to read this whole thing. It's a long section here. But in Luke 19, it says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And I just wanted to read that because our youngest grandson, eight years old, is named Jericho. So I wanted to get his name in there. Praise God. <laughs> he encountered Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, of course, if you know the story, he was a short fellow, ran to a tree, uh, climbed up the sycamore tree. And when Jesus, verse 5, came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he, Zacchaeus, made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, this is the religious crowd again. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he has gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Poor Jesus didn't know these things. Didn't know he's just supposed to hang out with all the religious folk. <laughs> they forget about, well, they might not have known about the 99 at that time, but praise God. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. I wanted to read that section because we see in him a real change of heart. Not that I'm trying to buy your blessing, but that everything that I have always counted as important, I'll give it away for the, for the opportunity to follow you. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. I don't have time today, but... Galatians 3 tells you that by faith we are children of Abraham and, in, and we inherit the promises. We are heirs to the promises. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. This day is salvation come to your house or to your life. Zacchaeus started the day one way. He was reviled by everybody in the city. He was not liked by anybody. He was a tax collector. And it was a totally unexpected to Zacchaeus, totally unexpected turn of events. One minute he's the most reviled man in the city. The next minute he's a friend of Jesus. He's accepted by Jesus. And I'm getting ready to close here. 
Is this your day for an unexpected turnaround? What I mean is you came in here thinking of things that were bothering you, dragging you down, things that the world is stealing from you and the devil is tormenting your mind with. This is your day for an unexpected turnaround. Have you allowed these gifts into your house, into your life, by simply opening the door and believing? I want us to bow our heads as we're closing. The main thing I talked about here was salvation. I don't know how you stand with the Lord, but if you're here today and you've heard what the Holy Spirit had to say, if you've not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, he wants to come into your house today. You may have known him as Lord and Savior, but you've allowed things to cause you to drift away. He wants to come back into your house if you'll open the door. So on either of those counts, if you'd like to, me to pray with you this morning, would you slip your hand up and say, I either need Jesus or I need to come back into his house. I see that hand. Thank you so much. I see that hand. Praise God. Can we all just pray this together to, to help our, our uh, fellow members here? Just say this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins and he rose again on the third day. Holy Spirit, help me to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. I thank you for your hand of blessing on my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I just threw this in. I just love this, especially for those who raised their hand. John 1, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines on in the darkness, for darkness has never overpowered it or put it out. Praise God. You have the light of the world in you. Now, does everyone have communion elements? I don't think we meant, thought about bringing ours in this morning. Need a couple. As Karen and I are getting ours, will you be, will you be singing after communion? Okay. In 1 Corinthians 11, it talks about communion. But I want to go to the end of that, read one thing in verse 28 out of the message. Thank you. It says, examine your motives, test your heart, and come to this meal in holy awe. So as we prepare to take communion, why are you taking it? Make the number one reason, because you love Jesus. Because you want him to be a bigger part of your life. Paul wrote, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. I like what it says in the Amplified. It was given to me personally. Paul had a personal encounter. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I'm sorry, I'm working on my tab here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I need one more hand. He has it all set up for me. I just, there we go. Father, as we prepare to receive this bread, we know it's symbolic and represents your body, which was broken for us. Thank you, you took the stripes for our healing, and you allowed yourself 
to hang on the cross to take away our sin. And Lord, we receive you into our house afresh and anew today, into our life, so that we can live the abundant life you've called us to. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Lord, your word says that the life is in the blood. And as we take this symbolically, we're reminded of the blood that you shed for us once and for all. And those who have received you as Lord and Savior, as we take this, let us remember that as long as you're in our house, in our life, the blood, Lord, covers us, protects us, just as in the Passover. And if we believe it, the devil can have no part in our life. Thank you for this blood. Let's take the cup. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'll say this as they prepare to sing. Romans 15, 13, my benediction to you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my word for you today. Thank you so much. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.